Welcome to the We Invested Podcast, where we teach you how to save and make more cash. I'm your host, Wesley Earp, and this is Season 4, Episode 22. And on this episode, we sit down with Victor Yurichek. He is the founder and CEO of Sell Your Gainesville Home Today. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's do it. Today on the We Invested Podcast, we have Victor Yurichek. And he is the founder and CEO of Sell Your Gainesville Home Today. Victor, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited to learn more about this topic and to get into this episode. For sure. Yeah, happy to happy to share what I have to share. Yes, sir. And before we get started, would you mind letting the people know where they can find you on social media? Uh, sure. So I'm most active on Facebook. So if you look up my name, it's it's likely pretty unique. So if you look up my name, just Victor Yurichek, you'll find me there. Uh, I also have a free Facebook group for folks. I will, we'll get into it for the fix and flipping. Uh, but I have a free Facebook group called Six Figure House Flipper, like, you know, teaching people how to get started flipping, you know, how to get to six figures. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's just kind of start from the top. Um, you know, I know you're in Gainesville now, yeah. but can we talk a little bit about what your upbringing was like and where you're from? Yeah, for sure. So I was uh, I was born in Washington, but I was really raised in Utah. Um, that's where I spent most of my years there. Um, I was just going to go down the traditional path. So I worked really hard in high school, got a full ride for college, which is great. And I was going to do bioengineering. And two years into the program, I realized like, hey, this isn't for me. I don't want to do this. Uh, basically saw like other folks uh, where I was going to be 5, 10, 15 years ahead. And I was like, this isn't for me. I don't like the coursework. I don't want to go down this career path. So basically decided like, hey, I'm just going to drop out. So uh, dropped out and just wanted to go the entrepreneurial path. That's what always enticed me. It was always in the back of my mind. That's That was the, the passion, the pursuit and just, you know, decided to make it happen. That's awesome, man. And, and I think it's really cool too that at an early age, like early on, you saw and identify what you didn't like and what you weren't interested in and you yeah. you know took the path to figure out what i like and what i want to do um so you know that kind of leads to my next question what is fix and flip real estate yeah sure so so fixing flipping so it's a little bit different uh because there's a lot of terms out there so this is like fix and flipping so you buy the property you fix it up you sell it and the the anticipation there is like you buy you fix it up and you sell for profit um, basically, and you do a couple of those. So typically like, like my average flip, basically make about 30K net profit, which is great. Um, so if you do three, four flips a year, you hit six figures. So that's pretty much it. So you do a couple, you know, buy it, fix it up, sell it per year and you're, you're at six figures. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And those sound like some great, um, you know, ROIs, but yeah. how did you get started in this space? Sure. So I, I got started, I was... I always had a knack for real estate. I was like the real estate bug as people call it. Like I always want to get into it. My my mindset, like what I was always thinking about is like, hey, let me do this thing and make a ton of money. Then I'll get into real estate. Like it's always like, hey, let me do X and then I'll do Y. And then I eventually realized like, let me just do what I really want to do, which is real estate. Let me just do Y and skip through all the other stuff. Because I, I like tried other companies like, hey, once I sell this company, like then I can get into real estate. Um, and now that I'm here, it's like, this is it. Like, I don't want to do anything else like this. This is it. Let me just stick to this. Um, so I've really, really enjoyed that. Uh, so how I got into it. So I was you know, working a, a W2, like a corporate job. I was in home health care. Uh, it's basically like an administrator, like an office manager type thing, helping run the office, helping run the company. 
and just realized like, hey, I don't want to do this long term. I'm, you know, I don't want to be where I'm at. So decided to make a change and basically found a mentor for the real estate. I started out wholesaling. Uh, wholesaling, if you guys are familiar, just for your audience here, um, it's like you find a property, you put out a contract, you basically sell the contract. So you sell rights to, to purchase a property. Uh, so my first wholesale made 3K, second wholesale made three and a half thousand. I was like, hey, I want to get into flipping, uh, which is basically what I did. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And so, you know, when you were making that transition from the corporate world to mm -hmm. entrepreneurship, you know, how was that experience for you? You know, and, and did you receive any like resistance or kind of backlash from family, friends and loved ones for leaving that, you know, W-2 job, that consistent paycheck to chasing your dreams? I think I got more resistance, like leaving college, but I always knew like in the back of my life, I can always go back to college, right? It's like, it's not like it's a fixed thing. Like you have to do it this year or you're out forever. So that, that, I got more resistance there because I was after the college thing, I was kind of following the entrepreneurial path for some time. So it's not like, you know, I needed to, you know, do whatever. Um, like I got less resistance later on. Um, and luckily I was in this place. So I was, I made the transition and this is how I'd like recommend it for other folks. Like it was like a clean, smooth transition. It wasn't like, Hey, one day I'm quitting this. I'm going to go all in on real estate. It's more like a smoother thing. Like I started to do some stuff on the side, learn on the side, started to get some traction. Okay. Started to get a paycheck. Um, so at the time I was working uh, full time for the home health and I was doing Uber on the side. So I do Uber like weekends and nights, like Friday night, Saturday night, a little bit Sunday. And uh, I do pretty well. I made like 500 bucks a weekend. So I was at like two grand a month just with Uber, which isn't, you know, it's not a ton of money, but it's also not like, you know, uh, chump change, so to speak. So it was, it was like, okay, cool. Um, and that's how I made the transition. It's like, okay, let me leave the W2 then full time just so I can um, like focus on the real estate because I was starting to get some, some traction and uh, starting to get some success there. And then I would still do the Uber. So I had this kind of nice bridge, this nice transition. So it just transitioned really nicely uh, where it wasn't like, okay, I don't have any more income. It was like, okay, um, I'm still doing the Uber. So still making money. I can still pay the bills. Okay. Got my first check from the real estate. Okay, cool. I can start to focus on it more and more. Um, so I think that's just the best model to do it. It's not like, I don't recommend a lot of folks like stop everything you're doing and jump in all in. Um, there's some some validity to that, but I think there's more validity to like just taking it step by step um, and just, you know, having success that way, not being like, hey, I want to do real estate. Okay, cut everything off. Everything's done. <laughs> it's full-time real estate. Um, just having that nice transition, I think is key. For sure, man. And I, I think how you described it and, and how you actually accomplished that transition is, is one of the best ways to do it. Um, yeah. you know, and especially talking about driving Uber just to make sure, you know, there was always some sort of cash flow coming in. Yes. So, you know, when you were driving for Uber, did you learn any, did you pick up any memorable lessons or, or anything along the way while driving Uber? Uh, from Uber specifically, probably not. I mean, <laughs> just make sure your car is clean and, you know, <laughs> be nice to folks and drop them off and that sort of thing. Oh, I think maybe, maybe one thing is like most of the majority of people with uber like would be nice and like there wouldn't be a problem but there'd be like that one out of a hundred which was just a pain to deal with so just realizing like like you, you can't please everyone and just trying to do the best you can and you just realize like everyone's not going to be 100 satisfied i think that, that applies to real estate too uh because we've done deals like we we fixed up we we flip it 
And then there's like minor issues like post post sale, like, like, oh, well, there's like the light bulb went out or hey, like this little, this, this light socket doesn't work anymore. It's like, well, it's, it, it is an older house. So it is going to, you know, it's going to like depreciate. Some things are going to break your homeowner. You got to fix that. We can't be, you know, changing light bulbs five years out after we sold the property. So it's that sort of like mindset, like. It's, it, I know it's easy for people to to get caught up in like, hey, I got to please everyone all the time. And that's just a recipe for disaster. For sure. For sure. And so, you know, a lot of people will hear that, you know, that you made that transition from the corporate world to entrepreneurship, but not just any entrepreneurship, but working in working with real estate. Um, you know, majority of the time, these are big investments. These are large numbers for the most part. So was that ever intimidating for you to to start kind of dealing with these huge numbers and huge investments? I think to start, yeah, definitely. Um, and like for my market, like Gainesville, like it wasn't that big of an investment. It took like a hundred grand, like anywhere from 50 to like a hundred thousand type of thing. So it wasn't like big, big numbers, but it was, there was that aspect to it as well. Um, I think the, the thing is like, you just kind of get used to it. You know, like if you have enough exposure to something, you just kind of get used to it over time. And you just get comfortable with dealing with those types of numbers. For sure, for sure. So what would you say has been your best flip yet? Oh, best flip. So best flip we did, um, I guess it was about a year ago, actually. Now, like it's a little less than a year ago. So we um, we bought it for something like 73. We put in like uh, 60 and we sold for 200. We actually almost ended up not doing the deal um what happened so a wholesaler brought us a deal like so like a bird dog or someone brought us a deal like okay cool uh we're going through the process of closing it and then the the wholesaler like we had under contract then she she found someone who was going to pay higher so she was trying to like kill the deal like hey you know you know this isn't a good deal trying to like get us away from the deal so making the transaction as rocky as possible like so she could sell it to someone for more and make more money uh, so basically we weren't, we weren't having it. So we, uh, we ended up closing on the deal. Uh, so we bought it anyways. There's a, there's a whole situation that dragged on for a whole month. We ended up buying. Okay, great. Um, as we got into, we found there's like this mold issue and we got our first quote for the mold. That was like 20 grand. Like, oh shoot, 20 grand. That's way over budget. We weren't expecting that sort of stuff. Um, the person who wanted to buy it from the wholesaler was actually the neighbor. He's like a mold remediation guy. So post closing, Post-closing, we even asked them like, hey, do you want to buy this property? At that point, we were happy like, hey, if we can just break even, we'll be happy. Uh, we had we have a lot of deals going on. So if it's not one deal, like we've got another one. So it's no no hard feelings there. Um, and luckily he said, no, he changed his mind. Like, hey, I don't want to buy the place anymore. So like, okay, I guess we're stuck with this property. So we got quotes, got quotes, got quotes. Uh, eventually found someone, they were willing to do it for like seven grand. Um, so we did the mold remediation, did the, did the renovation, like fixed up the place, um, sold it. And that was our best pro best flip. We made like 64 K net profit and we almost didn't do it. We almost didn't do it. Uh, so I think the, the lesson there is like, really like stick to your guns. Don't like let fear overtake you. There's value to fear. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's the motion it's there for a reason, but don't let like, I mean, like don't let a little hurdle or a speed bump. Uh, throw you off your course and off your journey where something like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Hey, I want to give up. Uh, because if we gave up, we would have made zero. We would have broke even versus making, you know, 64K, which is that's, you know, life-changing amount of money. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a good lesson there, but, um, you know, just don't, don't get caught up in the moment, so to speak. Like really think long-term, stick to your guns, stick to the plan and uh, just make it happen. 
for sure man and that really speaks to you know the perseverance that you have yeah to, to see these um you know inconveniences twenty thousand dollar inconveniences and still you know figure out a way to make it happen yeah. so you know what emotions were you feeling you know once you finally closed that deal and you know that was like one of the best flips you've had today what, what were you feeling they're just feeling you know just feeling really good and like yeah let's let's do more of these and right. um i think it's good because it's me and a partner on that one so it just goes to show like hey let's just stick to our numbers like we know what we're doing like on your first deal it's okay to have like some self-doubt but when you're at a level where we're at where at where i'm at so i'm on track for about 30 flips this year like you just gotta stick to your numbers just stick to your guns um you know don't let like kind of fear hold you back so i think it was just more confirmation of that like hey just you know what you're doing I think that's for a lot of people like you deep down, like deep, deep down, like you remove all the, you know, all the layers, like deep down, you know what you're doing uh, and deep down, like, you know, you can be successful. You just got to follow the steps, follow the path. Uh, so yeah, that's the biggest thing. So it's a good confirmation. It's a great deal. Uh, just open this up for, for other deals, honestly. That's so awesome, man. And, you know, you mentioned that this deal happened in 2020 um, yeah. and also the pandemic happened in 2020. So, you know, how did the pandemic impact your business you know did it did it slow anything down or did it did it make you guys have to pivot and adjust how you do things how did it affect you guys yeah sure so so that one for that deal we bought it in late 2020 we sold in early 2021 so it's kind of like straddling those two years so with corona what was interesting so pre-corona if you would have told me like hey the housing market's gonna boom and it's gonna get hotter and it's gonna go crazy uh, because of corona i would have been like you're crazy. There's no way. There's no way a pandemic is going to cause the real estate market to boom. But I, I would have been wrong. So like, you know, we were, I was flipping back in like, you know, February, March, April, all that stuff. And um, I, when I saw it initially, like I kind of panicked, like, oh shoot, you know, this isn't good. Got to watch out like pandemic and it can't be good for real estate. So I was thinking the market was going to go down. Um, and I kind of panicked, sold like one or two properties. Like looking back, we could have gotten more, but just kind of sold it. Like we still made a profit. You know, instead of making 30K, we made like 20K, but at least we got off our books and um, got it moving. Um, so that, that's basically what happened. So with Corona, like um, things just really heated up. Um, you know, the, we had government intervention. So like the Fed lowered interest rates, they increased like stimulus. So people had money, um, you know, they started buying like MBS, like mortgage-backed securities. So like banks were wanting to lend out more. Um, so we saw a boom, we saw a boom, like people, demand spiked up where folks like really wanted to buy houses. Um, they wanted to buy houses, they want to get into rentals. We saw a lot of people like supply went down just because folks don't want strangers walking through their house who can get them sick. Um, so a lot of that happened. So as you know, with basic economics, so, you know, demand goes up, supply goes down, you know, that means prices go up. Um, and that's basically what we saw where it's like, there was a huge demand for real estate. So we just had to adjust and how we adjusted, we just got a little more aggressive on buying just because we knew we could sell it for more. So we would buy it for a little bit more. Uh, we would sell it for a little bit more. And that's basically what flipping is like, you're just buying low, you're selling high. So you got to know where to buy low and where to sell high. Uh, so that's basically how we adjusted. So it's just a market and, um, our properties before like, you know, 2018, 2019, our property would sell within a week. Now it's selling within it like a day or two, which wow. there's some benefit to that. Um, and then my final thought there, like my, my thoughts with flipping, it's always the same amount of difficulty because we're always on the, like both sides of the transaction, like we're buying and selling. So sometimes it's really easy to buy, super hard to sell. And how, how it is now, it's hard to buy, but super easy to sell. 
So like you put anything that's, you know, decently priced, like a decent house on the, on the market and it's going to sell. Uh, so it's, it's that kind of mindset. So like, yes, we've adjusted. Yes. We've uh, turned it into like one of our most profitable years, uh, which is great and exciting. Man, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's um, great to hear, you know, um, but kind of on the, I guess on the opposing end of that or on the flip side, mm-hmm. what would you say has been your worst flip? Oh, worst flip. Um, what happened on one flip? Like we we actually broke even, so we like we put in X amount and we got that money that money out, which I guess isn't like the worst worst that can happen. You can always lose money on a deal. Luckily, that didn't happen. So basically, what happened? We we bought a property, uh, bought a property, we put it for bought it for eighty seven. We were gonna put in like 10 ish, and then sell for like one forty. And what happened? We did all those things. We bought it. We fixed it up. Uh, listed it, got under contract. That's awesome. Great. It didn't appraise was the issue. So we had it under contract for 140. It appraised for 109. So 109, which is a huge gap um, for your listeners. And it's a huge gap. And the buyers were saying like, well, you should still sell it to us. And like, we're going to lose money at that amount. So we're like, okay, well, no, no, thanks. We're going to, we're going to just pass on that. Uh, so basically what happened, we, it didn't appraise. Um, it was going to go through like an FHA pathway and FHA appraisal stick to the property for six months. And that was our best bet to sell a property was like FHA. It was going to stick to the property. So we wouldn't be able to sell it for six months. We're like, that's not going to happen. We turned it into a rental. Uh, we rented out for 300 bucks a month, 400 bucks a month cash flow. That was like net to us. So we did that for a couple months, like probably six months. And then the tenant moved out. They're like, okay, cool. Let's, um, let's list it again. So we listed again, it sat there for a little bit, eventually got under contract, sold, it appraised this time. And yeah, what what happened on that one, we had to refinance it out. Um, so because of that there's like fees involved. So like if we didn't have to refinance it, we would have you know made probably 10K net. But um, that was the that was the quote unquote worst deal. Um, so it just goes to show like if you know what you're doing in real estate, like your worst isn't that bad. Like you know, we bought the property. Worst case was like a, a cash flowing asset, which I don't know about you, but that's that's not that bad, big of a deal to me. Right, exactly, exactly. <coughs> and you know something that's you know pretty interesting to me, and I'm gonna wanna ask you about is you know I earlier you mentioned having a mentor, yeah. Um, but you know what are some of the ways that you gain knowledge in this field? You know because it, it seems like you when a problem arises, you you guys have a a solution for it or a way around it or a way to, to kind of get through it. So how did you gain your knowledge base? Was it through all hands on? Was it through reading? Like, how did you do it? Yeah. So ju- just to make a note, like when I'm telling the stories, when I'm looking back, it definitely looks like, like it's easy to connect the dots. Like it's like, okay, A, B, C in, in the moment, it's like, okay, I don't know what to do. And you got to figure it out really quick. You got to be quick on your, on your feet. Um, so just, just to say like, when I'm going through, I'm not always like that. Like, oh, great, let's do this. It's like always like a week of like, what do I do now? Okay, now we gotta figure it out. Uh, I think I learned a lot through just like networking and knowing others is the first thing. Uh, mentors is always helpful, that's the second thing. I think just for your listeners, a piece of advice, like good lo- local RIA groups, like real estate investor groups is, is super valuable. Uh, so I'd recommend like learning from those and like connecting with people there. Um, I learned one of the worst ways to learn is trial and error, which is what I did. Try something out. It doesn't work. Try something else out. It doesn't work. Try it. Number three, that does work. Okay. Let's stick to that. 
um and like you can do that and that's that's a great way to learn but it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a beast you know it takes up time energy effort uh, money um so th those are the different ways i learned and yeah you just learn over time and you do more of these and you make mistakes and like okay well we'll, we'll make that mistake again and, and then you just look back and like okay well cool i don't you know got a great base here for sure that's awesome you know and it it just um shows the the benefit of one networking and just learning it different ways like just not trying yeah. to take one path to figure it out just taking multiple paths and you get to see different scenarios and different situations and i feel like it kind of helps push you along faster or uh, expedites that process that learning curve if you kind of get your hands in in learning different ways um yeah. but you know leading to my next question how can a new person or how can a person new to real estate you know, source funds and even deals? Um, so when I uh, typically when new people ask me like, how do you get started? Like two questions are always like, how do I get the money? How do I get the deals? And like the biggest thing is actually like, how do I get the deals? Because if you get a good enough deal, like people are going to throw money at you to, to get it done. Uh, so that's how I got my first deal done. So I mentioned, I think we bought it for 105. We put in about 30. And we sold for 170. So it's like on that one, we made like about 29K net profit, which is great. It's a great deal. Um, for that one, I actually grabbed a money partner. So the money partner put in the money to buy it, to fix it up, to sell it. And then we split the profit. We just split the profit. And on that one, I only got a third of the profit only. Uh, so I made about 9K for me personally, but like it just got me started and got me to where I am today. Uh, so that's why I recommend for folks asking about the money partner. Like if you have lots of money and great credit, like, okay, you can go different routes and there's different options. But if you have no money, no credit, which is how I got started, like, okay, cool. Um, you can use, you can leverage like a money partner. Um, and the, the benefit to them is like, rather than having the money sitting in the bank, like they can put it to work in real estate and, and make a profit. Um, so in my, my example, like have them have, you know, hundred grand plus in the bank account, or do they want to make 20 grand, you know, off that money, which is, a great return um so it was just one of those things so the biggest thing is is the deal and for the the deals i think a lot of beginners get caught up in like they make two or three offers and like the offers get rejected and they're saying like oh i guess real estate isn't for me like oh i guess my offers got rejected and for me even today it's like one out of 15 offers becomes a deal on average might be number seven that hits 14 number 17 that hits but it does take that numbers game aspect to it um, so if you're not out there, like if you, if you made 50 offers and it's not working for you, that's a different story. We can have that discussion. If you've made three offers, like you got to get out there and make more offers. Like there's no way around it. Like, I don't care what medium, like what way you're marketing, if it's cold calling or direct mail or like pay-per-click or Facebook, like, I, I don't care if you're not willing to put in and make those offers, like it's just not going to happen. For sure. For sure. No, that's awesome. And that's, you know, some great advice because you know pretty much everything boils down to like a numbers game yes yeah pretty much, pretty much. Just i found it. that out and i'm glad i you know glad i got that because then it's easier right so like okay i made an offer that's one down 14 to go okay i made another offer that's two down 13 to go and it just becomes more manageable mentally versus like oh when am i going to get a deal when am i going to get a deal exactly no i agree with that 1000 percent um you know and a little earlier you know you mentioned how covid actually made the real estate market boom and yeah. i guess with, with some help from the government and 
stimulus and is you know pump some artificial life into it yeah. so where do you see the house housing market headed to now um well we've basically seen like what what uh, the government's policy is it's like a inter intervention policy like they're they're going to like inflate these uh asset classes and they don't want things to collapse they don't want like another 08 09 uh basically what i'm seeing is like another like just like a cool down essentially um so like i think we kind of peaked back in like may or june like that was the hottest the market ever was now it's kind of like inventory is getting back to normal and like interest rates are kind of uh, kind of all over the place but kind of normalizing if you will so it's just more of like a cool down versus like a crash it's more like a a peak and then plateau versus like it's you know up and down that's kind of what i'm seeing um it's just kind of like a slow slow uh process of just kind of cooling down uh so that's what i'm seeing I, i'm not really seeing any sort of crash or anything um that's you I mean that's kind of my two cents for sure and so you know what does that cool down mean for your company does that mean staying aggressive with with um you know purchase purchases or does that mean you cooling down as well um no i mean we're still we're still buying uh, you know a deal's a deal um, and then worst case, like we've just decided, like worst case, we'll just turn it into a rental. Just as mentioned, like, you know, worst case, it's it's not a flip. At least we have a cash flowing asset. It's like 300 bucks a month. So, you know, when that's your worst case, like it just makes sense to just go for it. For sure. For sure. And, you know, just kind of speaking on, on the topic of rentals, you know, what's yeah. the importance of having that passive income to you? Um, well, how I see it, and this is why I, you know, I do flips. Like you do a flip, you do a rental, you do a flip, you do a rental. And every time you do a flip, let's say you make 20, 30, 40,000, that's great. You can put that into a rental as a down payment. So you can buy rentals forever. You can buy cash flow forever. Um, and just setting yourself up for like a, a life you want to, you want to enjoy. Like a lot of people like, Hey, I want to travel. I want to spend more time with family. I want to be my own boss. I want to like have financial freedom. And that's, that's a great way for passive income where it's a really great uh, mindset. It's a really great way of life where you have to you wake up and you're like, hey, I don't have to work today. Hey, I don't have to do X, Y, Z today. Like I can just relax. Um, and that's what like passive income is. Like, hey, I don't have to do anything. And I know I'm going to make X amount per month. And that's that's a really cool feeling. Like it just really allows you to open up and like live, live the life you deserve. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a little earlier you were just talking about when you got started in real estate, you know, you were focused on networking. So, yes. you know, and, and you have this team, uh, you know, because it takes a team, you need contractors and you need yeah. the, the people out finding the deals and sourcing the deals and, and things of that nature. So what would you say is the importance of having a good team and how did you build your team? Um, yeah, I mean, team is key. There's no way, there's no way around it. Like you have to have a team. Like that's what I thought of earlier on, on in my career. Like, let me just do everything. And that, that just doesn't work. Cause you're not going to be good at everything. And like, you only have so much time and energy in the day. It's like, okay, you got to have a team. Uh, how do you build a team? I think <laughs> a lot of people make the mistake with building a team. They always look outwards instead of looking inwards. Like you have to be the person that others want to work with, if that makes sense. So you got to be like on time, you got to be dependable, reliable, you know, get stuff done, that sort of thing. So like before you focus on like bringing in a team, um, you got to really focus on yourself. Like let's say you're a B player and you want to bring on an A player, like an A player isn't going to want to work with a B player long-term. Like they might for a little bit, but not really long-term. 
So you gotta level yourself up to that A player status so you can bring on other A players, bring on other B players, all that sort of stuff. So just really like focus on yourself and like really make sure you're doing a good job first. Um, what really um, makes me, I don't know, makes me laugh or makes me cry, I don't know. But when like contractors, we're gonna hire a contractor, okay, great. And like they don't show up on time and they don't do a good job, like uh, it takes them longer than expected. Like they mess up on several levels. And then they're like, oh, well, I, I don't have a lot of business or I'm not very busy. Or like, hey, can you give me more work? It's like, hey, you didn't show up on time. Like you show up a day late and like all this different stuff. And it, it's just like the basic stuff. And a lot of folks don't like do well at the basics. Um, it, like we had we had the painter, like she didn't show up like three times. Like uh, we're like, hey, you know, we're, we're gonna be, we're gonna start at 8 a.m. today. And she's like, she showed up at like 12. And like she did that three separate times. So it wasn't just an excuse like, hey, something happened or hey, something, you know, X, Y, Z. But um, it was like something chronic in her personality and behavior and and uh, performance. So it was like, you know, so you got to like focus on yourself first before like building a team and um, bring on other folks. For sure. And that's that's a great piece of advice. Um, you know, what would you say is your favorite aspect or your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur Ooh, huh oh uh, that was a tough one i think for me it was just always something i just wanted to do so i think just like settling into your passion or settling into what you really want to do is is really cool like because like jobs are fine don't get me wrong but i just always saw myself as like business owner and doing something business related so that's probably the coolest thing i know people say like you know have a legacy or pass something on or kind of build something like i, I think that's just it for me like i was just naturally that's just naturally who i was so just to be able to do what i want to do that's that's probably what what it is that's awesome what is the single most important reason for your success <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I think the biggest thing, what I've always seen is like a mindset precedes everything. So every time I've had like a shift in mindset, like the income is followed. So if you can take care of your mindset first, like the rest falls in place. Now that's a great quote. I like that. I'm gonna have to write that one down. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So how would you like for people to remember you and your company? Um... I don't like for people to remember the company for this like specific for the flipping company i'd say like you know they they did what they say they were going to do and like they performed on their end and you know we're, we're happy something like that and that's good like it's really cool like when we're at the closing table we're like we're going to sell the flip and like we hand over the keys and they're like yes we're excited for this house we love this house you know can't wait to move in like that's that's a cool feeling for sure for sure that's awesome that's awesome and so what does the future of sell your gainesville home today look like to you i just want to do more deals bigger deals better deals that's that's pretty much the goal just you know just keep at it and i've enjoyed it so far so just do more of them the the goal is 30 flips this year i don't know what it's going to be next year so just continue that's awesome that's awesome victor thank you so much for your time today man i really learned a lot but before we get out of here at the end of every episode, we like to play a rapid fire question game where I ask you three sure. questions. So if you're willing to play, I'll go ahead and ask. I'm willing to play. Has anyone ever said no? <laughs> now people don't say no, but they, they might skip some questions sometimes. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's see what the questions are. Let's, let's, <laughs> before I accept. For sure. All right. So question number one, where's your favorite place to travel? 
Oh yeah, so I've uh, I've been like I've traveled a ton, and my family. So hence the last name Yurchak. Like obviously I was born here, but my family's from Slovakia, so that's my face favorite place to travel because has like local flair that uh, uh, like a deeper connection with the place versus like any other place. So probably Slovakia. We have a ton of family there. For sure. Is it super cold in Slovakia? It depends on the season. So they do have cold winters, but not uh, like warm summer. So it just depends. Depends when you go. That's awesome. Okay, question number two. What song explains your life the most? <laughs> I haven't been asked that question before. Um, what song explains your life? I mean, Rocket Man. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been asked that question before. Uh, that's dope. No, that's a good. That's a dope answer. <laughs> yeah, Rocket Man. I like that though. <laughs> I like that. All right, all right. Final question: What's an amazing thing that you did that no one was around to see? Oh, huh. What's an amazing thing? Let's see. I've. I'd say on on a lot of these properties, like there's little details we have that maybe, maybe people won't notice, or they won't see, but like we know that it's there. Like you know, maybe we fixed something properly, or like we we did it right. So I'd probably say that. Uh, like we did it, you know, we did it 100 fine, and like the inspector would never know, or like no one would ever know, but we know we did it right. Like that happened on a flip here recently. Like like the framing in the bathroom wall, like we opened up the wall the framing wasn't proper like we could have closed it up and like, nobody would have ever known but like we we fixed it um so it's probably like a lot of those little things accumulated for sure man that's awesome victor thank you so much for your time today man i really enjoyed this interview and i've definitely learned a lot no, i appreciate it thanks for having me awesome man